Welcome to Boiler Up Beer Down Podcast. I'm Habitual Boiler, and I'm joined by Game Day Gabby and Riles. And uh, we have a pretty special guest tonight, or today, uh, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, we've got with us Race Johnson. Race, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on our show. Um, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, I really appreciate coming on. I, lo- I love talking Purdue football, any chance I can get. Um, I, I want to jump right into it uh, before we start talking, really start talking about the current team and the current season. Uh, one thing I, I, I really wanted to ask you specifically is like, so first of all, you were recorded by or you were recruited by Hazel and his staff, right? Is that? Yeah, so I actually I actually signed with Air Force out of uh, high school. So I went I went okay. to the United States Air Force Academy originally was there during boot camp. Uh, actually, fun more even more fun story tore my hamstring during boot camp <laughs> um so i was told you know what you can leave and come back in a year because you can't finish basic and i was like nope i will take my chances elsewhere and then my brother Steele was already committed to purdue for diving and so i gave them a call and hazel wanted me to come walk on so i did and so you went to you you played at Carmel High School, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Um. It, so exactly, I guess you already that you already answered my next question. I was like, why did you choose Purdue? You know, I mean, and and I guess if you were talking to a high school recruit on the fence between Purdue and other equivalent schools right now, you know, what would you tell them um, about? You know, what would be your sell to one or two or three points about why why they should come to Purdue and why they should play at Purdue? today i'm extremely biased because I, I i love purdue so much so i mean playing so playing for jeff brom i played one year under my last year with coach jeff brom and i mean he's he's truly just a fantastic coach like you get to like especially if you're an offensive guy like kind of just makes sense to go to purdue because you get to play under Jeff Brom. And I mean, even defensively, um, I don't think anyone that I was there with is still on the staff. But from what I understand, uh, I mean, Mark Hagan was recruiting me a little when he was at IU. He's great. Um, but from what I hear is like Ron English is fantastic as well. So, I mean, you're just getting great coaches. You have a great tradition to, um, especially if you want to go play in the NFL. I mean, what was it when when I was there? I think two or three of the years we were the highest paid like college because we had like Drew Brees, Cliff Averill, yeah. and all yeah. all, of the, all of them just like making big money there. Um, I mean, the alumni support is just great. I mean, it's always fun, especially like Drew Brees would come come a lot. Like even even like the lesser known, like you know Roosevelt Colvin was there a lot. Cliff Averill, mm-hmm. um, gosh. Well, I knew I knew Curtis Painter when he lived when he was playing with the Colts. He went to my church, but he's great too. But and then I worked for JPC a little bit too after college, so I got to know even some of the more some more of the alumni. And they're just, you know, Purdue does set you up for something great after football. I want to piggyback off that, and it could be football or non-football related. What is your favorite Purdue memory? <clears throat> Is this sports related or non-sports related? I said I just said it could be football or not. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, meeting meeting my wife 
Aphrodite. Aww. That is the correct answer. She's right behind you. Isn't <laughs> she's she? in oh. the room. <laughs> she has her headphones in uh, watching. She has cue cards. Meeting me. You got to tell her to watch or listen. Man. Tell her to listen. Oh, I will. <laughs> That's cute. That's a good answer. Race, we had uh, Markel Jones on the uh, post game the other day, and he was really good. The same one you joined. Uh, I know you guys played together for uh, at least a couple of years, right? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any good uh, Markel Jones stories from uh, your playing days? He, we were doing this one drill where he was like, they, it was him and uh, I think Keontae Green had like a harness on each other, and like Coach Carlisle tied like a, or like hooked a rope onto their back. And I don't know if you guys remember Keontae. He was he was bigger back, big boy. And then they, Coach Carlisle blows the whistle, and Markel literally lifts Keontae up into the air. Like, just like he was so powerful. And I was like, this kid's a freshman. <laughs> but, like, true freshman, literally should still be in high school, and he's dominating our like, strongest running back. Any other funny stories from your uh, playing days at Purdue, Race? This would be third year. Um, Coach Hudson was our D coordinator. I love Coach Hud. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, our defense actually wasn't wasn't bad. Uh, it was our the offense really was screwing screwing with the defense that year. Did, I, I I really liked Hudson too. Did he did he go with the whole staff or did he go before? He went before. That's what I thought. He went before in uh. And Garrett Els came in. Oh uh, yeah, Garrett Garrett stayed. I mean. It would have been rough for Garrett. I mean, Garrett took it like a champ. I know. But, but uh, one of Coach Hud's favorite things our third year was every time during camp when we wouldn't do our job, we had to write, I will do my job 400 times on a piece of paper. Turn oh, my God. So, <laughs> and then one day, one day during the season, we didn't do our jobs in one game. And he was like, all right, Monday, 6 a.m., everyone better be in here with your 400, 400 lines. And we got in there at 6 a.m., and he's like, okay, you're good to go. Didn't even didn't even ask if any of us did it. And just like <laughs> – You didn't even have to do it. <laughs> I, I love uh, – Coach Hub is just great. So, not that it's probably a funny story to you, but what was like – you you probably get asked this all the time. Like, what was your like second by second mental picture on that pump block against Wisconsin? Like, from like seeing the ball to like picking it up and then feeling your hamstring go into so, a. So was he? So it starts off. Um, that was a hell of a pump block design. Oh yeah, by, by oh oh I know. So it was. So so the whole week leading up, like Coach Coach Levine is an evil genius. Um, he was like, when, when teams show punt safe, the third, third guy in the wall leaves. So we're like, okay, when he leaves, we're going to go up and, um, get into our pump block formation. So like Garrett and I are talking like right before the play and we're kind of like, okay, he sees us, like, is he going to move? And then we're like, okay, he's talking to someone. So he's going to move. So once he moves, we all run up. And then, so I was actually supposed to be the one who blocked the punt. Um, but the guy who was supposed to block Garrett decided to block me instead. 
So then Garrett gets completely free, dives, basically just takes the – I don't even think the ball really hit the punter's foot. He just got there so fast because, I mean, and whoever was unblocked was going to get there so fast because they're just not ready for it. And then so, so I get off my block, and I see Garrett block the punt, and I see the ball on the ground. And it's kind of like a dog when he sees a squirrel. I'm like, ball, mine. And then so context – Five week in during the Ohio game, I pulled my hamstring, so I was already injured for that part. Um, but the whole week leading up, I was feeling really good about really good about my hamstring. Um, and like during like during the game, I wasn't really warming up probably the way I should have been warming up, like or staying loose like staying I should loose. have been. Yeah. And so when I go to pick it up, I don't really bend my knees that well, and I'm not very flexible in general. So when I go to pick it up, like it just stretches out my hamstring. And then on that, like that first or second step, just pop. I completely tear my hamstring and I'm running. Like I can't even feel my left leg hit the ground. Like, so I'm like, okay, I'm at the 15 yard line. I'm going to jump to see how far I can get. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. But then, and, and the thing that sucks most about it is like, uh, we missed the field goal. Right after I returned the punt, but had the longest punt return of the season for Purdue, so that was fun. That's awesome. Was that was that home or away? That away, away at Wisconsin. That was at Wisconsin. Yeah, I think that was the game where they put back one touchdown. Just kind of, I think there was the interception, like Easy Chuku. Yeah, and Bentley. He, Rate himself he, out of bounds. He could have scored. We were screaming cut back because because Jack Cohn was coming for him. But, I mean, he's he's like half-ass coming at him. It's like if Danny just sticks his left foot in the ground, it's a touchdown. So, it's like it's not 100% on me. There's other things that could have happened. But I, I, will, I will take the blame for that. Because I remember the highlights of that, and Matt Millen is doing the broadcast, and he's – like screaming, like cut back, cut back, because like you said, Cone is maybe gonna try to like ankle he's, pick. He's just, he's just gonna try to run him out. That's that's all he is. He doesn't want to really tackle. Like and Jawan's like leading the way, and so I mean, it is what it is. What it is. It's it makes for a good story. But losing seventeen to nine to the number five team in the nation when you really should like when you block a punt and you score, you have a 99.9% chance of winning the game, like statistically proven. So, well, uh, I went, I went to Iowa. So that's like my second team. So they did prove that you can block a punt and score and then not do anything. Next 58 minutes of football. Correct. It is, it is, it is extremely unlikely that you lose a game after scoring on a block punt or a block kick in general. But so that you had mentioned like uh, your hamstring, like not being warmed up, like conditioning that actually led to something I was curious about asking uh, you and Markel. So I don't know if you saw, but Cam Craig is, has medically retired. Yeah. After his back. And so that's the sense Brom took over. That's the offensive lineman that's had to medically retire and so 
just from the only two college teams I really pay attention to are Iowa and Purdue. I cannot remember maybe outside of like one player for Iowa having to medically retire. You think, and it might've been, because I think there was some switching of strength and conditioning <laughs> from when Brom first started to like the, I think then Justin Lovett who went to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Would you think that there was maybe something like they were it's, focusing too much on something? So someone asked me the exact same question um, either yesterday or Sunday. And it, it is 1000% just a complete freak, freak thing. It's, I mean, so the head, the strength and conditioning coach is Reno now. He was here with Lovett. He's been he was with Lovett forever. Before it's basically the same thing. I mean, you have your diff- different assistant coaches, but it and I know it it's it sucks that's like happened to Purdue so much. But like, I almost had to medically retire because of my back. So it's like it's just it's just some people are more prone to like these back injuries and stuff. Um, I wish I had a better answer. Yeah, because and that really sucks that like a program like Purdue where you're not going to get like four star linemen out of high school, you have to get them in and develop. And yeah, even though you're recruiting three, four, five of them a year, six of them, I mean, Victor Beach was a starter. Cam Craig was a starter. Jornigan, mm-hmm. like I think Will Bramwell was a starter. Like it just, it sucks because you can't build. Like now we're starting to see the offensive line coming together because they're healthy and they're all playing. Yeah. That's how you build. That's how you get better as a group, like playing with next to the same guy rep after rep. So you can kind of pick up on each other. So I just thought that was, I didn't figure like that. They were like, okay, we're going to everyone come in and we're going to deadlift as much as possible and just rip. No, we, we, we don't, we don't deadlift at all. Um, Linemen do a lot of safety bar. Um, so that's that's when you have the squat bar that comes like around your like neck and stuff. We do a lot of that. If you have any twinge or like any feeling in your back, you go to a pit shark, which is just a belt squat. So all the weight is just at the bottom. You just hook a hook a belt on. It's it simulates it easier. They they do everything right. It's just like you know some and some sure, guys don't get injured and some right, guys do. Sure. Part of it, too, is you're taking, like, 230, 240 pounds oh, yeah. seniors and packing 60 pounds on them in two years. And, like, hopefully your spine can take it. Yeah. I mean, that – and I like – so it's like Iowa, you're getting, like, top – you're getting really good linemen who are already pretty big in high school. Like, like these injuries don't happen to the, top, like, top programs for a reason. Yeah, and I think a big thing also in Iowa is that high school wrestling is such a big thing here. So oh, yeah. Well, that even if, like, they're used to it from just on the wrestling mat, you have to know leverage and how to do it. Um, okay. So, do you want right, – go ahead. I got, I got one more. Um, so you, you got to play under two different regimes, yeah. two different head coaches. Can you – Tell us what major differences between the stabs that you would have seen, whether it's bad, good, or indifferent. You know, what 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 was it like playing for, for each one and, and what was the differences in between? Um gotta tread lightly here. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um I mean Coach Hazel was just a very reserved 
person in general. Um, him and coach and coach Brown is not very reserved. Mm-hmm. He's uh, you you can see he's very animated on the sideline. Things of that nature. Um, Hazel was just more of like a hands off approach. Um, and I and I mean I could be completely reading this wrong. This is just from player perspective. But Hazel was very hands off. He let the coordinators um, kind of do do what they do. Um, whereas Brom is very hands on. I mean, he even he calls offensive plays. But um, especially after the year <laughs> I left, he started having more. I don't know if it's not paying attention was the right word, but he started to have more hands on the defense. Um, so he's very, he's just more integrated into the team. Um, you know, the position, I, I loved all the position coaches that we had in both regimes. Um, obviously uh, our, our offense is a little better now than when it was under Hazel. So, so Hazel, what Hazel do you, was, no, go ahead. Uh, what do you take on the Twitter uh, Fire Brom stuff? Stupid. Yeah. So that's that's all I got to say. I mean, I know emotions can run high during games and stuff, but, you know. Like, from where we were to what we are, it's like. <laughs> I mean, I I went 1-11, 2-10. No, 3-9, 2-10, 3-9, and then 7-6. and six. Like I won nine games my first four years and I won seven my last year. It's not yeah. this hard, guys. Yeah. I <laughs> know. I often wonder if Hazel had a little too much of the Trestle influence with them, where I think Trestle was very much the CEO of the program. And then you have your coordinators do that and you shake the hands and you do all that other stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's just the coaching tree he came from because that's, that's just how, how it was ran at Ohio state and, and stuff. So, I mean, like when, when you're, you, you fall under certain coaching trees of like Jeff does what he does because of how Howard Schnellenberger did it. So. I, I think trying to bring that approach to Purdue could have worked if it wasn't so having to like rebuild a program like you can't be hands off as the guy trying to get everyone fired back up and get people into the program. Like I think once that's established, like, Hey, now we can, I can focus on other stuff. But when you're trying to say like, Hey, it's my first year, I'm trying to imprint my stamp, put my stamp on the program. And it's like, Hey, like, cause I remember, I know nothing about Indiana high schools, but I've read this story a couple times on the golden black message board. Like when he first started one of the big high schools in Indianapolis. So I don't even know which one it was. He was like his first introduction to like their coach and their high school coaches kind of expect like when the college coaches come in, they're going to kind of kiss their ass a little bit because they want to build that pipeline. And they're going to ask him like how long he's going to stay. And it was like, I can only stay for like 30 minutes. I have to go to like their rival high school, like right after this. And it like kind of put a bad taste in their mouth. Like he's not like really trying to like dig himself in here. He's kind of like, yeah, like, Hey, here I am. If you need anything, like talk to so-and-so I got to go talk to other people. So. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, 
Coach Hazel probably has a lot of things that he wishes he may have done a little differently. I mean, hindsight's 20, 2020, but um, I have heard I have heard that story, but but yeah, no. At least he's not like PJ Fleck. So <laughs> PJ, say, PJ, do you guys? PJ Fleck was banned from my high school for uh, when he was at Western Michigan. Because he nope. pulled he he pulled one of my buddy's scholarships like a week before, oh uh, my god, signing day, and my head and, coach was like, "Do not show your face in Central Indiana." And he's so, yeah. shit. had the story I heard about Fleck that it could be made up or not, but there was like he had a meeting with two kids, and he like put an hourglass on the desk and was like, "You have until the sand reaches the bottom to decide if you're going to come to." I think this was at Minnesota. Like to come to Minnesota or not? Like he's oh my god, very gimmicky. Like they said during the game on Saturday, like he reads a children's book to the team yeah. every night. And uh, just, yeah, that shtick works. But to I am um, not a fan of PJ Fleck, but from from things I've heard is like you know a lot a lot of coaches will do something similar to that, but they won't be gimmicky about it. They'll be like, hey, you commit today or don't. PJ Fleck, yeah. Do you guys want to dive into Minnesota? I got one more question for Race before we get into the current. Okay. Race, who who's the better athlete, you or your brother? Me. <laughs> right I mean, answer. On on land, it's me. In the water, it's him. <laughs> so I mean, if, so you're the army, he's the navy. I got you. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to take <laughs> you've heard that basketball. question before. If, yeah, if you if you want to take us onto a basketball court and just watch how Steel plays basketball, we're fine. No offense, I mean Steel has an Olympic medal, but <laughs> right, <it's still> <laughs> I've I've beat him at I've I've beat him at a box jump competition. Um, that's really the only time we've ever competed on dry <laughs> dry land. But fun story, he was better at football growing up, and I was better at diving when we were growing up. So really. So, so for That's those listening, I mean, I'm assuming most people know this, but Race's brother is Steel Johnson, Steel Johnson, which was uh, David Bedai's diving partner at Purdue, and um, was it one 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 Olympics? Yeah, 20, 2016. He's trying for twenty um, twenty four in France um, with COVID and everything. Um, he he broke his foot in like twenty fifteen, and it just he'd been competing on it for a while and the pain just got so much that he had to like, he did one round in the Olympic trials and he's like, I physically cannot dive. So he's had like three or four surgeries since trying to, trying to get to France. So That's luck. That'd be cool to see him compete out there. I need another excuse to go back to France. So thank you. Yeah. Love, Yo, love we'll that. Take us with you. We'll <laughs> <laughs> Summer flex. I just didn't go back to France. <laughs> If you guys ever, if I could just go there one more time, it'd be fine. <laughs> if you guys are ever talking about who's the better athlete, has he ever said I wouldn't have torn my hamstring recovering that punt, or is he just kind of leave that off the table? Well, he would he wouldn't because he's super flexible, so none of his muscles could possibly tear. <laughs> so, I have no flexibility, but, but hey, you I'm, both he, play for Purdue University. You're doing all right. Yeah, I'm in yeah. this. I'm in the same boat. Like there's times I'd like tweak a hamstring getting out of bed in the morning so <laughs> all right gabs you want to take us into the uh 
the Minnesota game. Let's 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 get into this season and this year's current team because that's what we're all here about, right? Yeah. Um, I guess obviously Minnesota was a huge game. I don't think a lot of so I did a poll. Not a lot of people expecting us to win. What's your takeaway um on that and us moving obviously they didn't have their star running back. We know that, but what was your takeaway on that game? Who are you talking to? Yeah. Race. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, oh, yeah. I you guys no, too, I sure. No but I don't know. The, the Purdue player. Uh, All of you. <laughs> Takeaway from that game, great, great win for us. It's really hard. Um, it's really hard to win on the road in big time. I mean, it's really hard to just win in general in college football. But, I mean, Minnesota was hot. I mean, yeah, they didn't have Mo, but still. Like we played, especially on defense, we played really, really well. Um, you know, an offense got the job done in the fourth quarter, which we needed to need to do. Um, but I mean, I just thought, especially on the defensive side, run game was our run defense was just superior. We, I think, we only gave up forty eight yards of rushing to running backs and I mean Tam Morgan had minus one yards and then we stopped Kramer on that fourth and one on like the 30 that was huge and I mean our run defense this year has just actually been really really well or done really really well um the defense is phenomenal (laughs) yeah I mean there and people just stepped stepped up um I rewatched the game yesterday Bryce Hampton major shout out to him he played phenomenal jacob alberg phenomenal defensive oh line great Corey trice a plus job yep. yeah i did see that brahms i think it was brahms said that saturday was the first time that trice hasn't played with a knee brace since he yeah. tore ACL, and he did look a lot more fluid in his movements he looked like early in the year He's still the best corner, but you could tell he's kind of hesitant a little bit. And so my question, so like you said, it's hard to win in general, and it's especially hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. But do you think winning the game the way they did with a nice drive in the fourth quarter to get the field goal, good defensive stop followed by actually executing like a four-minute offense is almost bigger from a psychological perspective considering that's what cost them against Penn State and Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge psychological boost because it shows that, hey, we can actually do it. We can do it against a really good defense in Minnesota. It's like people don't understand like that massive run by Maccabee at the end. Minnesota's defense is is Minnesota in general is a very conservative team. Like they're built not to give up those big big plays on defense, even in special teams. It's not meant to like they can give up like 10 to 15 yards, but it's not meant to give up those gashes. So it's like when our longest play before that was the Charlie Jones catch, like that's like one of the longest plays they'd given up that year. So that, that defense is just built to bend, don't break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in that second and third quarter with that conservative stuff, they were absolutely kicking our ass because if you play that cover two shell and you're getting pressure with your four down linemen like they were, 
it was nice to see in the fourth quarter the adjustment was made from trying to hit those like in breaker routes like 12 15 yards on the field and instead going hey Payne Durham's open on the sideline for six here's a swing pass to running back like get when you're playing like that conservative defense it's kind of you got to go like jab 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 then uppercut you mm-hmm. can't kind of swing a haymaker at them because they're designed to stop that yeah well in the, in the first half we we weren't really doing ourselves any favors we did we every first down we ran we ran the ball 11 times and only passed it six so they were kind of able to tell what was in like two of those passes were in the two like in the final drive where we were trying to pass it during it so it's like we were being a little predictable kind of after that first drive and then in the second half, things started changing. And that's when we were able to like, kind of, like you said, you know, jab, jab, and then just uppercut them finally into the fourth quarter. Did you guys see uh, Cam Allen won defensive, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week? Yes. And is that, is that, kind, of, is that kind of surprising? <laughs> I mean, I... He had two picks. I mean... <laughs> well, I know, but... Okay. I mean, the one was kind of the Minnesota guy did everything but turn around and say, I don't want this here. You take it. But I mean, the second one shows like Cam Allen is one of the better ball hawks that Purdue's had at safety in a oh, lot. For sure. For sure. He's it's, it seems to be when people have been complaining this year and there's been a lot of missed tackles, it comes from that secondary group. And he's kind of. Did he play quarterback in high school? I feel like yeah, he's kind of still got some of those. Like I'm gonna try to tackle, but I'm not gonna really stick my nose in here all that hard. Him and Reese Taylor kind of have that going on where it's I'm gonna I'll try, but if it yeah touch you, it's gonna look really bad. I just want our secondary to use our arms and wrap up. Yes, that would be, <laughs> that would be huge. Yeah. You went uh, all of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sanusi Kane has absolutely laid some people out this year, but sometimes it would be cool to. Make I need sh- him to bring his arms. Yeah. Because uh, there's a, been a couple times this year, I think he's hit people that hasn't knocked him over and they get six, seven more yards. Like that's a, that's a big thing too. Well, in any level of football, but especially college where it's kind of the variance level between teams is so high, even play to play. Turning two-yard runs into eight-yard runs is not the best. But it is nice to see for Purdue now with Maccabee, that's a running back that will take a two-yard gain, and he'll make four. It'll be a three-yard gain and get five or six instead of sitting at third and five, you're sitting at third and one. It's a small sample size, but he is the shiftiest running back that I can remember Purdue ever having. I, that guy can get through – he contorts his body and gets through every damn little hole. I, it's amazing to watch. Especially he's, averaging, he's averaging over six yards of carry in like for Purdue running back. I know it's a, it's a small sample size, but still, like, that's pretty dang good. It is good. It Especially is good. For his size, because he's – Purdue's had speed backs like Akeem Hunt and Mostert and – uh, I feel like there's another speed back. I'm forgetting. I did. I did have a Twitter comment earlier before uh, we started this and said, "Was Raheem Mostert the most underutilized Purdue football player in history?" 
Yeah, I mean, no Ma- doubt. <laughs> main, main thing with Raheem was just trying to figure out like what is he? Where? Yeah, where to put him? Because I think when I came in, he was a receiver. Yeah. Um, yep. And then Shoop was like, "We're gonna move you to running back. You're too fast not to use." And like that's kind of when Raheem started like you know hitting his stride there. And I mean, he was already a great returner. Yeah. When I when I was there, but you know, yeah, it was it was mainly just trying to figure out you know where to utilize him. Well, I don't need this. Might have been thirteen or fourteen. It was at Illinois, and they used a package where it was both Hunt and Mostert. I think on the broadcast they called it like the Jackrabbit package or something, and they absolutely broke a foot off in Illinois' ass running the ball that game. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah, and it kind of vanished from there. But, I mean, two, those running that package in small doses is great, but those are also two not. Raheem now is significantly, like, more built than he was in college. And Hunt was always a smaller back, too. But, like, Maccabee's kind of, like, very slightly bigger, maybe not as explosive, like Corey Sheets, like Ralph Bolden mold, where it's they're shifty. But they can still like the. I thought the best thing in the Maccabee run out not was not the cuts, but he got hit at roughly the twenty-five and got tackled at the four. Yeah, he's he's very strong, doesn't go down easily. I mean, you can't ask for more in a running back, really. Absolutely, and honestly, and I mean, he fumbled early in the game too, but he was trying to get a first down. I mean, he's trying to. Yeah, and I I mean the guy. The safety was coming in like a heat-seeking missile. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he, he he learned from it, and it didn't affect him. Right. And it was good to see some coaches are, you fumble it, you're sitting the rest of the day, and Coach Brown was like, get back out there. He was like. So, Ray's, we did a preseason uh, recording a few weeks ago where uh, we kind of collectively voted on each game on whether it was a win or loss. And we, uh, us three, ended up with Purdue at 10-2 and two on the season. We were 5-0. So. We were 5-0 and oh at one point. Um, but our 10-2 and two prediction is still alive. Uh, we can still get there. But right ahead of us is, you know, Purdue sits at 3-2. and two. Um, What tied for the lead in the Big Ten West, I think. Um, We've got Maryland ahead of us. What do we know about Maryland? Because I absolutely do not know anything about Maryland. All righty. Well, I've watched every single one of their games, so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think they're a very similar team to us. Um, we've played a tougher schedule to this point. Um, their hardest competition. I mean, they played they played Michigan, Michigan well. Um, I know. There, there are just things in that game that, you know, the score kind of, I think Michigan kind of dominated them a little more than what people think, especially in the run game. But in the past game, you know, J.J. McCarthy missed a few open balls that I don't think Aiden O'Connell misses. So, and then, I mean, they played played Michigan State. Michigan State's going to finish fifth in the Big Ten East, prob- probably just at fifth, just because IU and Rutgers are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then SMU. And then they played Buffalo and Charlotte, and Charlotte's one of the worst teams in America. So, 
Um, they have a really good offense. I really like their offense. Um, a lot of quick passes, some quick games, some screens, some swing passes. Um, Talia is really good. Um, I mean, you can tell he, he plays a lot like his brother. Um, he's obviously not his brother. But they're like when you watch him, he's just like, oh, yeah, it's the right handed version of Tua. Just uh, just not up to Tua's level. They have really good receivers. Um, you know, Mike Loxley is a great, great coach. They've gotten some really good players in there. They got some really good running backs. Um, defense is a little um, average. Um, they're 97th pass defense in America, 67th in run defense, 83rd in third down percentage. They're solid in the red zone. They're kind of right with us. Like, I think we're eighth in red zone defense, and they're actually ninth in red zone defense. But, you know, nothing that I've seen kind of worries me about their defense. And, of course, I'll probably come to eat my words. <laughs> For that, because I said the same thing about FAU. Uh, yeah. But but we didn't have a no condol then. So but the, the, those FAU games though, you're bound to have one of those uh, almost every year. I mean. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a lot of learning moments, especially on defense for us, especially in the secondary, for us from the FAU game, and that and I saw a lot of like the learning moments that were fixed in the Minnesota game. So. It looked like there was a lot more gap discipline against Minnesota than there was against Florida Atlantic. Like that was a big emphasis in making sure your run fits were. Well, the, the, the running backs weren't really hurting us in FAU. It was the quarterback run that was, that was hurting us. And that's why I was really wanting to see us fix it against Minnesota, which we did. I mean, Tanner Morgan didn't, didn't do a designed run at all. He had opportunities to pull, but the end was perfectly in was in perfect position. So that a major fix. Um, Talia this week, they'll they'll do some read options. He's not looking to run too much. He really wants to extend the play to throw the ball, unless unless everyone's covered. He's he'll, he'll scramble a little bit. He's an effective scrambler, but you know. Like you said, we had really good gap defense last week. So I'm these running backs are good, but we faced better so far this year. So what would be your one if you had to pick just one, what would be your one key on Saturday? It can be offense or defense or Gabby's favorite part of football special teams. <laughs> uh what would you, be your, you guys never forgotten a word in your life? Just one key to if Purdue does this or stops this, they're going to win. I really think this is going to be a test for the secondary. They're like, this is the best quarterback we're going to face all year. Um, I mean, he's, I, I think Talia is the third best quarterback in the Big Ten, right behind Dan O'Connell. Um, and I think our, he likes to extend the play. So our, our secondary's got to be sticky, especially in that scramble drill. Um, you know, he's they like the quick game a lot, especially on like three-step dropbacks. Once he hits that third step, the ball is really out of his hands most of the time. Um, but you know, when that's covered, 
you know, would love to see, make sure our D line is containing the quarterback when he's in the pocket for a little too long, he kind of gets some jittery feet, loses some mechanics in his throwing motion. And that's when he can, that's when you kind of see he turns, you know, it doesn't look like his brother as much. Um, but our secondary's really got to be sticky this week. Would love to, you know, limit him. I would, if we can limit him to under like 250 yards, that'd be a fantastic day for us. All right. This is do we want to make a, would do we want to make a prediction for that's Saturday? Where, that's where I'm going. And I, my, my prediction is going to be pretty ignorant since I don't, you know, I haven't watched much of Maryland football, but so I'll go last. Um, Riles, what, what, what do we got for this weekend? Preseason. I had said that this two game stretch was going to be probably one and one because back to back road games in the big 10 is hard to win. So it's not, it's not preseason anymore. You know, you know more now, what do you got? You're going to hate, but it has a caveat. So I, you're going to pick Maryland. I think it's going to be 27, 24, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Unless Purdue is within three at half, and then Purdue wins. If Purdue is winning or down by three or less, the win, I'm just – the one thing in the Brom era that we really haven't seen yet is big win followed by we keep that momentum. We're kind of one of those big win, kind of fall off. Big win – kind of fall off like the big uh because i still remember beating the tyler trent game beating ohio state going into yep. michigan state starting rocky lombardi who's should have been a college wrestler instead of a college quarterback and just not being able to do anything against michigan state and that's those are minnesota is not ohio state and it's not really equivalent but i just i kind of need to see those two big games back to back before I'm going to say like, yeah, like that's the win. So I was going to say the same thing, 27, 24 Purdue, because I'll always pick Purdue, even though Riles is annoyingly good at predictions, like very annoyingly. He'll come into the DMS and be like, this is going to happen. And it happens, but I'm still going to pick Purdue. um, And I have no caveats or whatever big word you want to (laughs) use. They just win. (laughs) Race what you got. I will, I will always pick Purdue on, unless uh, we're we're playing, you know, oh, yeah, FAU or Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought I thought, Penn I thought we were gonna win. Thought we were gonna win by a lot more for those two games. Um, I'm, you know, I was talking with my buddy about this. I I really don't know what to think going into this game. Because I, I really like Maryland's offense. I think they have an extremely high ceiling. But I think 42-31 Purdue. Um, I, I really don't like Maryland's defense too much. And then, I mean, if we, can, if we can be unpredictable in our offense a little bit, I think, think that will go a long way. Um, I think we'll be able to run the ball. Um, kind of like we had been, you know, la- last week or 
those holes will be there. Their defense, Maryland's defense is a lot better than last year. That's not saying too much. Um, but they're faster. They're, they're more athletic than they were last year. But from what I've seen, they lack some discipline in certain areas. They, they'll be great for like a series. And then, they, then they'll just be like, where'd that defense go? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 100, 116th in penalties for a reason, too. They're worse than us on penalties. What are we? Yeah, I was going to say, what are we? That keeps coming. (laughs) That was a big thing last week was, other than Mm -hmm. a couple, it was much cleaner, a lot. And I mean, the personal foul stuff is like a one-off, but there were a lot less holding penalties in the secondary, and that's... Well, and less ill-timed penalties, too. You know, not only the penalty yards hitting us, but it's the, the just coming at the wrong freaking times. Those, those third and eight, third and nine defensive holding penalties just seem to be our special first three games of the year. We we are 80th in penalties per game. Well, I feel sorry for those other teams. It's <laughs> <laughs> painful. So I say, again, this is a pretty uninformed opinion, but I think that uh, it's a pretty well, it's an offensive game. Uh, and I'm not bashing our defense, but I do think Maryland can move the ball. I, I think that Purdue wins a nail-biter, 42-40, to 40, with with Maryland scoring at the last uh, at the end of the game and um, not getting a two-point conversion to tie. <laughs> specific. So, very specific. Um, all right, before we wrap this up, I, do you guys have anything else? I want to touch on one other thing before well i would like yeah i would like his views on the big 10 west and yeah yeah. well okay let me go since we're talking game specific go go back to the penn state game the ending of the penn state game because there was a lot of ire in purdue nation about not running the ball there and um i was of the case i was on the side that said i'm fine with what brom did there because you run the ball and you don't get it i mean and you don't work any there's plenty of, I like going to what your strength is now did we didn't know what Devin Mockaby quite was at that point in time right what's produced strength what's produced strength always been we've got a potential had a potential Heisman candidate quarterback um I throw the ball and you were you were a a, a Sheffield catch away from winning that game right uh I liked what Brom did there um what race what Purdue, what's your opinion? What what should Brom have done in that situation? Should we have put the ball on the ground? Throw the ball, but do it in like um, a different fashion. I would say, you know, some swing passes, which is like these short, these short, these short passes that you know you're going to complete. Yeah. They're very similar to the run, like get Tyron yes. Tracy out in the flat. Hot, and, you know, high do, percentage. Like, do like a wide receiver screen or a tunnel screen or something like that. I mean, you know, I would, I would love to be able to run the ball like that, but people need to understand Penn State is really good. Yeah. Like this, like if, if Penn State doesn't start the year unranked just because you know, Sean Clifford got hurt last year, Penn State's a top 10 team right now. Maybe, maybe fifth at the ceiling. Right. Yeah. Like Penn- this is a really good team. So it's like, I mean, yeah, we would love to be able to run the ball in that situation. But I mean, it's our strength. It's just, you can throw the ball. I would just probably have done it a little bit differently. 
Penn State was a top five team beating another top five team on the road last year when Sean Clifford got hurt. And their their backup was not prepared for Division One football in the slightest. No, people do not understand that like Penn State went seven and six last year because Sean Clifford got hurt and then backup quarterback sucked and he was like, I'm injured, but I'm better than what my backup is. Yeah. And it didn't work. But any other year, this Penn State team is either ranked five, six, or seven right now. And I think from if I read injury reports right, the, another reason why we probably didn't run the ball late against Penn State is King Doru was already hurt. It sounds like he was hurt some point in the second half of that Penn State game. And right now, we all all love Devin Mockaby, but if Purdue runs the ball three times to a walk-on and gets two yards and punts, and Penn State goes down and scores, the thing the uh, reaction is, why is Jeff Brown giving the ball to a walk-on running back? Why aren't you letting Aiden O'Connell throw for it? Yeah. But and yeah, like you said. Uh, Payne Durham was two inches from a spectacular game-ending catch, and Aiden O'Connell was either, if he throws that ball to Sheffield two yards farther, it's probably a touchdown, and if he underthrows it by two yards, it's defensive pass interference. He just kind of threw it in the exact spot where the defender could get it without committing interference. So it's just kind of one of those them's the breaks kind of moments. It, 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 it just it, it is what it is. I mean, like, yeah, we would like hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, yeah, we'd love to give Maki be the ball now, but well, and we we know that the defense was absolutely juiced at that point in the game to give up that last drive. I mean, um, we saw Jefferson, you know, after his his um, pickoff return uh, thrown up on the sideline. So I can't. The defense did its job. So I I I don't have I, I will never. Complain about Purdue passing the ball. I mean, I don't really don't care what the situation is for 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 the most part. For the most no, part. and I, and I and I I go back to this is like Penn State is vastly more talented than us. Like we played we played really well against a really good team. I mean, is that a moral victory? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I would say if you were to look at drive by drive, quarter by quarter, Purdue was probably the better team for. 40 to 45 minutes of that game, if not more than that, but it was the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the second half. And yeah, so it's that one is that loss is inherently less frustrating than the Syracuse one because the Syracuse Syracuse <laughs> is undefeated. And I think they're ranked now. I said they're ranked. I just messaged you guys. That so not a good football team. Syracuse is not a good football team. It's like the fact that we lost them is like, the most infuriating thing, but there's like, there's just been one infuriating loss every single year since Brahms took taken over. And that's, it's, this is not a shot at Brahm at all. It's just a trend. Like, it's just something that I've observed. So like 2017, we lost to Rutgers 14, 12 Eastern Michigan, 2018, 2019, uh, Nevada. Oh, yeah. Um, 2020, you can argue, but I just throw out the 2020 season because it doesn't make sense. And 2020, 2021 last year, Minnesota without Mo in the pouring rain. Oh yeah. Like 500 yards of offense in Minnesota, yeah. 200. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like it's just been that one game each year where we are the we are the better team and we just drop it. The Nevada one that you mentioned is especially frustrating for me because that was the very first legalized sports bet I made in Iowa was Purdue to cover minus 10 that game. They were up like 17, like three minutes into the third quarter with the ball, and then shit went sideways. This was such a weird game. Like the fans, the whole thing, the whole thing was just weird. And, and honestly, I think it was uh, Diedrich Mack who intercepted that ball. That yes. was... That was, I think that's two years in a row that we got screwed on a catch because I think the Missouri game was in 18 when Jared Sparks had the touchdown. And last time I checked, replay needed to be conclusive and clear evidence. And if you're taking five minutes, you're not really conclusive and clear. Nope. Um, yeah. No, the Syracuse game was just that, that one for this year. Yeah. And I would bet Schrader could not make that throw if you gave him nine more times. Nope. Defender bearing down on him, the way he was throwing the ball that game, that was – I mean, I know it was kind of odd that you got Bryce Hampton one-on-one there in that scenario as a guy playing like his third co- collegiate football game, but Schrader threw that on a rope in about the absolute perfect spot. Yeah. We, Purdue fans we, we just we we outplayed Syracuse and you know fun 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 refs. I mean, we shot ourselves in the foot too. It wasn't the refs' complete fault, but that was that was pitiful at the end. Purdue's less than a minute away right now from being five and zero. And yeah, I mean, if, and that's the God's honest truth too. I mean, they really are. Didn't happen to Purdue that Aiden O'Connell pick six would be objectively hilarious because that was. Like the one thing that they teach you like not to do is if you're being spun around and thrown to the ground, just kind of like. <laughs> well, and, and the funnier part is, is like at secondary was talking trash the entire game. They're getting lit up the yeah. entire game. And then, of course, the D lineman who has nothing to do with the secondary just gets it. Yeah. So right. go, go. Because I think um, back, to get, back, get, back, back to Gabby's question, um, and this is open to the floor, right? What 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 plays out the rest of the season? Ten and ten and two is still alive. How does this happen? I mean, what happens in the Big Ten West? Where does Purdue in this season, the regular season? For anybody, anybody wants to say <laughs> to jump in. So I What's think. Oh, oh, go ahead. So I think the game this week against Maryland on paper right now is our toughest game left in the season. Um, really? This is from, from everything that I've watched. Um, Iowa does not have an offense. Wisconsin. I am praying we can break the curse because they look, they look bad. I mean, yeah. and they also just fired Paul Chris. Um, I don't think Illinois is really anything to worry about. Nebraska's not really anything to worry about and IU is IU. Um so I th- I think 10 and 2 is a big possibility and I think 9 and 3 is a big possibility too if we drop this Was week. it Illinois the one who just said that we look beatable? I have Anyone else no idea. Twitter? I think but they just said oh Purdue looks beatable. <laughs> I, I would agree with race. I do think I really do enjoy 
that we didn't play Nebraska immediately after they fired the coach, and we didn't play Wisconsin immediately after they fired Chris, because it always feels like Purdue has this thing where it's they play a backup quarterback or they play a team that just fired a coach, and then they come out all inspired like it's a 90-minute Disney movie, and then it's you wonder how you lost the team. But I would say Illinois – I would say outside of Maryland, Illinois is probably the toughest game yeah. And that's because I would agree with that too. Chase Brown. And I would think if you can shut down Chase Brown, Illinois is not really going to do much on offense. And they're going to want to, it might end up looking like last year because that's what a Bielema team wants team wants to do. They want to drag you down into the mud and make you play their style of football. But I don't think they're more talented than Purdue. And I think if that run defense that was at Minnesota shows up against Illinois, they're going to be fine. And that. Um, Iowa's defense is really good, but Jeff Brom coaches circles around Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz. And that's Phil Parker is one of the best defensive minds in football. And that's seems kind of simple on this, on the strategy, but Iowa has not yet adjusted to the plan of we're going to find the matchup we like on the outside and we're going to throw it to that guy repeatedly. And you can either adjust your defensive principles or you can lose. And that's happened other than 19, it's happened every single year that Brahms been at Purdue. Now, I, I, I think we have a, I think Purdue has a good shot of winning the West. I really think we do. Minnesota has to go play at Penn State, yep. I believe, in a couple weeks. Um, I don't think Penn State should lose that game. So it's like if we're looking at everyone potentially having two like, we can even drop this game to Maryland. And, you know, run the table the rest of the way, have two losses. And then so everyone in the Big Ten would have at least Big Ten West would have at least two losses. And then that would get Purdue to the Big Ten championship game. Kind of like basketball, protect your home court. And if you split your road ones, you'll end up looking good. But like you said, if Purdue is going to make a Big Ten championship game like this is this is big flash and red light. This is the best chance they've had uh, since the Big Ten West, the divisions started, honestly. So are are we sticking with our 10 and 2? Well, Riles already said. I'd say they'll they'll probably drop one just because that's kind of. That's I think it'll be 9 and 3. But 9 and 3 should have you in Indianapolis and probably playing a. January 1st bowl game, which long time since we could say that. Yeah. If, if, we, if we go nine and three, that's, that's all we need to get to Indianapolis. Yeah. And shit, if you go nine and three in the regular, regular season, you got two chances then to become the first Purdue team to ever win 10 football games this season. So I'll take it. Take it in a heartbeat. Guys, we're going on uh, close to an hour here. Is there anything else that we haven't covered or anything else that you race? Is there anything you want to tell us that we haven't talked about? You know, not that, uh, not that I can think of. I, you know, Maryland, Maryland's a good team with a good offense. And this is, this is probably the best offense we will see the rest of the year. Um, that I think can give our defense problems from what, we've shown on tape so if we can 
you know, if we can stop this offense, then I, then I feel really good about the rest of the year. I agree. I agree. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to feel pretty good if Purdue comes out of Maryland with a win. Because then all of a sudden, here we are sitting four and two. And it, the Minnesota game really set a tone because, like, two games ago after Syracuse, everyone's like, season's over. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's, and that's really not a game that Purdue typically wins. Like, those ugly, it's just stylistically not, you don't expect Purdue to come in and play great run defense and seal the game with a, Four minute rushing offense. Like, that's you don't it. expect Purdue to look like a Big Ten team. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to. At the end no, of that, that, no, that game. That's just what it is. Is like, you know, that was Big Ten football. Like, yeah. 20 yeah. to 10. It was re- 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. It's like, what was it? The first half was just like punt, 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 punt. Like, yeah. And as annoying as I found, Brock Osweiler, I think that's who it was. Yeah, it was casting, but saying at some point he was right. You keep it might look like it's struggling, but when you're breaking those one to two to three yard runs, then you're kind of wearing on a defensive front. At some point, you're going to pop one, and then those last two drives, the one that ended in the field goal, Maccabee had a couple eight, nine, ten yard runs, and then of course the sixty-seven yard one to set up the touchdown. Like that's. That's where the benefit of a run game really can that, come. That drive where we got the field goal was really like we started off with two running backs in the backfield, yep. and it Minnesota had no idea what to do. And then so it's like Mockby was great that drive. Dylan Downing was great that drive. Like Dylan had mm-hmm. this key third down conversion, like a third and four, and got like 15 yards on it. And it was just, you know, those two. And it started with two backs in the backfield, something that minute that we haven't shown really much this year. Minnesota was just like, what do we do? Yeah. yeah. yeah no, if Purdue has two people in the backfield, one of them is probably a tight end. And that's kind of how it's been under the Brahm era. But yeah, that was, and that honestly, depending how this year ends up, hindsight, that adjustment Brown made in the fourth quarter is probably one of his best in-game coaching decisions he's made in his time at Purdue because that was he had a lot of times the biggest complaint is that he kind of feels like the moment can kind of overwhelm him a little bit and he kind of like I need to come up with the perfect play that defines like us and our program and this is kind of like we're not going to be able to beat them throwing the ball. We got to kind of mix the run, the pass. We're going to go with two running backs. We're going to really lean on these younger backs. And it worked out. And then the defense came through and was like, hey, trust in Maccabee. That was a genius decision. Like, find more walk-ons. Apparently, that's the secret sauce to offense. I'm all, I'm all for finding more walk-ons. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep them coming. The, the walk-on Call it walk on you. <laughs> I'll roll with it. it. Reese, thank you so much, man. Um, it's it's been a privilege to have you on. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. Uh, whenever you want. Definitely jump on Love the post talking games. To do football. Jump on the post games whenever you want. You're more than welcome to. Your insight is extremely um, extremely good, and 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 we we appreciate it, my man. 
I'll be on. I'll be on after Maryland. Won't be on after Wisconsin or Nebraska. I'll be in uh, Europe then. But so I'll just be be listening. We good. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, you travel. Yeah. I love traveling. Yeah. Travel the world. Casually going to Europe. It's fine. Post games are tend to be more entertaining after we lose, but it's a lot more fun to talk about after wins. Oh, yeah. it's all it's always more fun winning. Yeah. I, I would say probably our two best reactions. People get on mad after a loss. I think our that's two, when people get like active. I think the two best ones that we've done since we started like at the back half of basketball last year are post St. Peter's and post Penn State. Oh my god. I was in uh why did you have in, to bring that up? <laughs> I was in Hilton Head for uh, a wedding when we lost to St. Peter's. Uh watching an outside bar and I just stormed out. Just so mad and then Penn State won. We were at a bar. I live in New York City. We went to this Big Ten bar and there were way too many Penn State fans for my <laughs> liking. And it was like they were so worried with like four minutes left. I was like, something's gonna happen. You guys will be fine. Yeah. Don't worry. Like I've been in this situation too much. I love I love Purdue. I love the guys. I love Coach Braum, but something is just gonna happen. And, and that's not just football exclusive. Purdue sports always somehow ends up being sideshow Bob finding the rake. Just I know what? the exact same feeling. One day it will stop. From your lips to God's ears, I sure. Do you, could you imagine doing a post game after the Virginia basketball game? Oh would, God, I wouldn't I mean, have been. That would have been. No. That would have been. I was like, not okay for a solid like three weeks. I wasn't. Would have just, I don't, I'm not kidding. The thing was, I don't think anyone would have been mad. I think everyone just was depressed. Like I, yeah, had, I was like heartbroken. Because I've never been so heartbroken. But one of those, yeah. like from when, uh, Grady got that offensive rebound and passed it to Klein. Why are we gonna rehash this? And five seconds going from like <laughs> this is a guaranteed win to like holy shit, we have to like replay like. <laughs> One of my friends was over watching it and she said, like, you didn't make a noise like the entire overtime. Like, it's just like you're like, brain- <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I was I had really shitty seats. I was there at that game. And when it was around a bunch of Purdue fans, Who's in I, don't know, I, don't know how, I don't know how this turned into a Virginia podcast. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was in Louisville. And um, the after. I don't remember who got the rebound, but when Klein was going to shoot the the two free throws that was to seal the game, Purdue fans were giving each other hugs. I mean, we were going to the Final Four, right? I mean, it was pure elation. And then that that happened, and it's like you just took from the highest high you could get to the (laughs) lowest low. It was awful. I mean, it was awful. (laughs) I was in in Birmingham. I was working for the AAF at the time, and I was in Birmingham. I was working for the Atlanta Legends. We were playing the Birmingham Iron. My uncle lives in Birmingham. So we went to this bar and the owners were kind of mad at us during the first half because we were, I mean, we were being a little loud. And then during the second half, and then when they hit the final shot, I like threw the chair, threw the chair down. <laughs> and I like immediately looked to the owners like, I'm fine. He's like, they're like, you're completely fine. Like I would be in that situation. Like if you like my uncle and I, we were just distraught. I don't think we said a word to each other when he drove me back to my, where we were staying. 
And it's like, I wanted to avoid every single per because we had a few Virginia players on Atlanta Legends. It's like, do not talk to me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I will make sure something of your equipment is missing. So you can't play. Do not talk to me. And that's so how you hard. are with how you are with Purdue football. I am with basketball where I like <laughs> I'm watching other teams. I watch every game there is the next day. I rewatch it and just I'm crazy. I read everything. So as I, I recorded the game, obviously I was so depressed. The next I couldn't even look at my recordings because I saw it on there, and I can never watch rewatch that game. And I was watching like a presser with Paint before the season started. He was like, "I just sat down to watch that game like a day ago." Like he's like, "I couldn't face it." I'm like, "I can't either. I cannot watch that game again." And the there's worst, no way. If you look at that tournament run, the Tennessee game is the one that Purdue always. <laughs> Like, night 17 in the first half, like, just dominating. And then to blow the lead in, like, three minutes. Like, that's the game, like, that Purdue loses. And you're like, God damn it, we can't get past the Sweet 16. Like, I had was. Well, Klein went insane. You're like, this is meant to be. I was in my last year of my MBA program. And it was part-time program. So I had class the night of that Tennessee game. And I was, like, watching it on my computer in class. And we were like broke out to do like work on our group final and it went to overtime. I told my group, I'm like, I can't stay. I'm going to the bar downstairs. Like our, our university of Iowa, like our MBA program is in a building above a bar. So I was like, fuck this. I'm going downstairs. And I watched the overtime, like with like my backpack, just sitting there, like chugging tall boys in the <laughs> bar, like stressful one. It's like, like whatever happens with Virginia, you know, we made the elite eight. And get to that. And my friend, she had a like a sequence of like pictures like on her phone. Like there was one of me taken with Klein shooting the free throws. I'm standing, I'm like ready to pump my fists. They tie it, and like there's like three photos of me just laying on the ground with like my surrender cobra on the ground, just like this can't be happening. Like, there's no way that this can be happening. It was yeah. Awesome. It'll forever be. The closest <laughs> Purdue's been to a Final Four in my lifetime. Well, shouldn't say that, but I, the, the, that was. And if, you're, uh, if you're saying that, that covers everyone in here, so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm on. Race, these guys tell, tell me I'm on AARP, so. I'm the, uh, <clears throat> I'm the most tenured uh <laughs> member of BUBD. <laughs> uh well right I'm sorry to turn that into a, a basketball podcast there for a little bit, but um again, man, thank you for coming on. We will do this again sometime if you're willing. Uh, always join always join the the uh, the post games when you can. Um uh, your insights much appreciated so thank you. Yeah I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun for me. Um definitely a lot more fun than watching bachelor in paradise <coughs> nah nah now, make, I'm sure with her. You, make sure you tell her to listen to this at least listen to the first few minutes of it because you gave her a pretty good one there so that might get you like a two-week free pass out of it too like yeah <laughs> yeah Spe- speaking of that second favorite memory is taking the bucket from iu Oh, right, because yeah. i because uh, i was the only because i was the only one from 2013 team that traveled to that game 
um, been dressed and watched IU take the bucket from us. So after yeah. four long years, yeah. I was the only one from that team who dressed yeah. to, That's uh, awesome. to That's take awesome. it from the suitcase and give it, give it back, put it, put it back where it belongs. There you go. That's great. All right. We can end that any better. <laughs> Gabby, you want to take us out of this? Uh, you can. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, again, um, uh, thank you again, Race. Uh, this has been uh, Boiler Up, Beer Down on behalf of uh, Game Day Gabby and uh, Riles23. Correct, Riles? Uh, I'm Habitual Boiler. Um, until next time, go Boilers. Boiler Up. Oh, see you Saturday. Bye, guys. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you.